This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay, and it's Kenny View time again, and we've got Nick Stewart in the studio with us today. Hi, Nick, how's it going? Great, yeah, really nice to be back in your studio once again. It's nice to have you back. It's awesome to be able to be face-to-face again. Yeah. I believe today we're talking about rethinking your retirement income. Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. Well, just with the you know the possibility that well, you've had people talking about negative interest rates, which is yeah, I don't fully understand what that will mean for me. I figure I'll roll with it and see what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what more can you tell us about how well, that will affect stuff? Okay. Well, imagine that you've got some money that you've got in a savings account. So imagine that rather than being a New Zealand citizen, you are a Danish citizen. They charge you at the moment to have money in your savings account. Really? They do. So where else could you put your money? Well, uh, well, just not there. Unless you want, I mean, like, like put, put it this way, it's like putting putting your money into a vault and then they charge you a... Uh, a security fee to hold the money there and you get no return from it. It's costing you money. So what it does, by having negative interest rates, it's a disincentive for people to hold money in their bank for for the purposes of saving. And instead, they allocate it elsewhere and it gets the economy cranking along. That's the kind of 101. Ah, so that's what they want you to do kind of in a way, is spend that money instead. Yeah, well, spend it or invest it elsewhere and engage your capital more effectively. So it was like at the moment, for example, I I was having a chat to my daughter the other night about her savings account, and she received the mighty sum last month of one cent interest. Even I did better than that. I got, I think, $3 (laughs) interest. I wonder what I'm doing right. Uh, I'd say to be the quantity of capital. <laughs> uh, there's not a lot in there. <laughs> <laughs> but but so with her, she asked me, she said, well, why is it so little, Dad? You know, why yeah. is the, the amount of money? She said, you know, you can't buy anything for a cent. Anyway, I explained to her and said, well, that's because the interest rate on her account is so low now because as the Reserve Bank has reduced the overnight cash rate, or the OCR, as we hear it um, commonly referred or termed, it's meant that as that rate has come down, so has the rate of return on your term deposit your or your um, bank savings. Hmm. So a lot of people are actually getting pretty much zero. Yep. That, I'm guessing, does not help if people have their money in the bank to save for something like retirement or a first home or something. Yeah. Well, and, the, you know, the, the you know um, as you introduced the topic, you know, time to rethink your, time to rethink your retirement income. That would be if you were planning to live off that mm-hmm. return from the bank, from the term deposits at the bank, it would make it very, very difficult to live. So, yes, it could be an okay store of wealth, in other words, a place to park your capital, but to actually generate a return and live in retirement, that 
is very, very difficult, which is why a lot of people are having to rethink their strategy. Mm. What other options are out there? Because, I mean, to me, mm. you got money, you put it in a bank. Mm. It's just what you do with it. <laughs> what other options are there? Well, there is one thing that um, people have been able to do for the last um, about the last 18 months is they've actually been able to utilise their KiwiSaver for that purpose. Mm. So even though they're retired they're allowed to keep their KiwiSaver open and they can use it as an effective investment fund. And a lot of people know KiwiSaver. You know, we all have KiwiSaver. We know how it functions. So imagine that you're in retirement. You just use your KiwiSaver. So is is interest on KiwiSaver doing okay? Well, remember with KiwiSaver, with most of us that have KiwiSaver, we might be in a conservative, a balanced, Mm -hmm. or a growth fund. So that is not bank term deposits. No. That's a spread of corporate bonds, government bonds, and shares, and other instruments such as, you know, it might be some commercial property in there, you name it. It's a much more diversified animal. And the actual cash flow, the yield, has actually been better. Hmm. Which get, and, and it, but it's also more diversified. So rather than holding all your cash with one bank, you're actually spreading it across thousands of different institutions both in New Zealand and Mm -hmm. offshore in the global markets. Hmm. I guess if you were really eager you could probably do a version of that yourself and put your own money every week and your KiwiSaver just does it for you. Correct, spot on, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And those that that, um, do wish to delve a little deeper, it might be because they're a DIY investor, they like to do it themselves, or the fact that they want to seek independent advice, then a portfolio will be built for them where you can build a portfolio around the needs and objectives of the underlying client and what they desire long-term, which is pretty cool. But even then, in these low in, in this low interest rate environment, and I'll also use the term low-yield environment because things like the yields off commercial property, the yields off residential property, they've also come down. So in other words, if back in the day you'd planned to own two residential houses and you planned that that was going to be your retirement savings because you'd factored in, you could get a, uh, a yield of 7%, well, today the mm. yield's a lot lower than that. So just yields globally have all come down, which means for all of us to generate the same amount of return, in other words, monthly income or yearly income, we need a greater quantum of capital to achieve that. So the days yes. of retiring with quarter of a million in the bank. Um, Not so likely now. Well, likely that you would achieve that saving some, yeah. but the yield off it to live off. Oh, so you, you couldn't have that much in the bank and then just live off the interest while keeping the main stock. Yeah, there. you're going to need a lot more than that amount. So what advice would you have to, say, somebody who's close to retirement mm. and also someone who's like me that sadly is quite a long way away from retirement? <laughs> I'd love to retire early. Not going to happen. But yeah, so what would, like, advice would you have for people on both ends of the... Well, the first thing I'd say is seek advice because each strategy is different. So the accumulator strategy, the young person like yourself, they need advice with a very, very long lens because you've got an amazing amount of time where you can save and utilise the horsepower of the market, so in other words, you know, diverse, a diversified portfolio to grow your wealth. The person who's coming up for retirement, they need to do like a financial warrant of fitness, find out, you know, like what is their budget? A lot of mm. people I talk to don't actually know how much they spend, and yet they're about to head into having two sources of income, 
one NZ Super. Well, we know what the rate of that is. That's a fixed rate. Anyone can just Google yep. on wins and you can find out what you paid as a single um, a um, single person or as a you know married couple. And then the second lot of income will be either what you do from your own hand, so you might have some part, a part-time role, or your portfolio income. So there are very few levers for the pre-retired person to be planning for. So quite simple when you think about it, but simple in the sense that there aren't that many variables. But the fact is that so few people have done that type of planning. So I'd say seek independent advice, talk to an independent financial advisor, and get some advice on how to best structure their financial affairs, particularly for the pre-retired. Because, you know, when I, I remember as a kid, I used to fly radar control aircraft. And I learned quite quickly that you wanted to fly your aircraft at least three mistakes high. The reason being that I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> and what would happen is I would be then picking up pieces of a radio control aircraft from around the paddock because I crashed mm-hmm. it. So I learned that if I flew three mistakes high, I could always, you know, correct you the time plane to correct and that. save it. Yes. And I think about that, and that's an analogy for you know the pre-retired because you're not flying at three mistakes high because you don't have time to make mistakes because if you make a mistake. It will actually yeah, affect it's, it's going almost to immediately. You can't start again. You can't reboot and say, well, I'm 40, that investment didn't go so well, but it's okay, I've got another 25 years. You know, yeah. when you're 60, 65 years of age, um, this is it. This is the time to make sure that, you know, the car does have a warrant of fitness. Yes. Yeah, and that it is safe and you're going to make it and it's all okay. And the other aspect is that even if it turned out that it wasn't quite what you'd always imagined. In other words, you thought you were going to be generating $50,000 a year of free cash flow, and it turns out that, in fact, it's 30. It's a lot less than you thought, but at least you know, and you can now correct your spending or you know, make some changes to your spending habits to reflect the fact that you know that your income is going to be less than what you expected. Hey, at least you know. Yeah, mm. but pre warned What about people that are retired and we're planning on living off the interest, mm. and all of a sudden, it's not really there. Yeah, well, look, you know, we're seeing it at the moment where, you know, quite a few people who have had term deposits, and they might have had some six-month, 12-month, 18-month, and two-year term deposits. Now, when the interest rates drop, you don't feel it for a period of time until those term deposits roll up for fresh rates. And we're starting to see that at the moment, and there's you know, anecdotally in the market, where a lot of people are rolling off interest rates that have had a four in them, mm-hmm. and they've now got a two in them. So in other words, the, the income, the yield, has halved. So a lot of people are actually finding they're having to go up the risk curve. Now, when I say go up the risk curve, that means that instead of being able to stay with the surety and security of a term deposit, they're actually having to buy, say, a listed bond. That's where, it's like an IOU. So, you know, um, Fletcher Building wants to borrow some money, so you give them $5,000, they give you a rate of return of 5%, and at the end of five years, they give you money back. Now, they actually, each day, they don't just trade at the $5,000 bond. It might go up to 5100 back down to 4900 So there is a little bit of volatility, a little bit of risk. So people are having to go out of term deposits into the listed bond market 
And then there are some that require an even greater level of return to meet their lifestyle objectives, and they're having to buy some equities or shares. So we're seeing people climbing the risk ladder, so they're going out of that safety comfort era of the bank, and they're actually engaging their capital in the capital markets to generate a better return. And we're seeing a lot of people that are um, that did have a kind of set and forget retirement plan, and they are changing that midstream and actually going back into the capital markets to generate a better return rather than one reduce their lifestyle or two start eating their capital i'm guessing if it's a higher risk though Mm. there is obviously risk more attached with it than if it was a term deposit so does that mean they could lose what they're investing or is it not quite that extreme risk oh no no well if hey if they were to take all their capital and invest in one share or one bond, and that share or bond were to fail, then yeah, they would put their retirement savings at risk. But most people, um, you know, prudently, and they seek advice, and they diversify their portfolio. So yes, it can go up and down, but the probability of losing all the capital is um, extremely small, because that means that the world has to go to hell in the handbasket. And I'm talking, you know, really, really bad, <laughs> like worse than anything we've ever experienced, you know, worse than COVID, yeah. worse than the global financial crisis, worse than the Great Depression. Something we don't want to see. Yeah, something we, none of us have ever experienced. Yeah. So if you're diversifying mm. and putting some in shares and stuff, do you still keep a little bit somewhere really safe like the bank, even though it's low return, mm. or do you yeah. put it all in different shares and whatnot? We put it all in different, yeah, different shares, different bonds, but then some of the bonds we own will be actually of a higher credit rating than the bank. So like absolutely, you know, the term is like guilt edge. And, you know, so we'll, we'll put some money in government bonds. And um, so it's a question of having a spread and also um, spreading, across the, um, spreading across the yield curve so that when I say the yield curve, we'll have a little bit at five years, some at four, some at three, some at two, some at one. So we're, again, spreading the risk. So it's, think about it like um, you know, going to a 3D movie. So mm-hmm. rather than just sitting here and watching the screen and just seeing um, one vision, imagine being able to see 3D. That's a little bit like the way that uh, financial advisors engage capital in the bond market. So we're going at multiple levels. Hmm. Okay, that makes a little bit of sense. Not a lot. A little <laughs> bit. Um, Ken also mentioned something yesterday when yes. we were discussing this topic. Yeah about reverse mortgages, mm. and I drew a complete what okay. look for him. So he said you could explain this to I me. I can. No, no, good, good question. Good question from Ken. Now, so a reverse mortgage, so imagine that you're living in your home. Mm-hmm, which I you, am. Yep, yeah. And, <laughs> and imagine that you're now age 65, and you actually want to keep staying living in that home because it's your, you know, it's where, you, where you've lived, you love it, you've got it just how you want it the right colour, the right layout, you've got all your neighbours and friends, so you don't want to move. So imagine that you actually need to extract some capital out of the home. So instead of, like at the moment, you know, you know, we all have a mortgage where we've bought a property, utilising some bank finance, some of our own, to buy the property, imagine on the other side that it's now debt-free and you're going to borrow from the property to live. Okay, so is it borrowing from the property or borrowing from the bank? You're borrowing from the bank, but effectively you're using the equity in the property to have um, a monthly paycheck. Can you only do that if you're mortgage-free? Yes. Yeah, and then I guess someone is going to have to pay that back eventually? Well, what happens is that it's paid back when you sell. 
Uh, or you pass yeah. away. So like if you were selling your house and you hadn't finished paying off the mortgage mm. kind of thing. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. And it it allows people that freedom to stay in their home. And the other aspect is that um, quite a few people when they do, and the term is downsize. So you go from mm. you know, the four-bedroom home to My parents have just the, done this. Okay, They've there we just go. downsized. Yeah. Now, a lot of people actually find that to get that right property that they desire in the future, it might they might need a wheelchair ramp, they may, may need to renovate the bathroom, um, or just, I don't know, it might be double glazing, some insulation. If you actually f- think about it and say, well, the cost of the transaction to go from the medium-sized house to the small house, realtor fees, so your real estate fees, the cost of conveyancing for the lawyer... And then when you buy the new house, you know what? You don't really like the colour. The carpet's not right. Or, yeah, the garden needs a makeover. Or, yeah, no, I do need to put a concrete ramp out the front. Or the vehicle the vehicle access is poor, so we need to remodel the driveway. That's pretty expensive. So quite a few people find when they run the analysis on it that it's actually easier to stay in their current home and, in fact, utilise a reverse annuity mortgage or you know, reverse mortgage to... To stay in the home because actually when you look at, you know, when it comes down to um, pennies and dollars, it actually works to stay. And it does give people that, that, I don't know, that personal satisfaction of staying in their own family home. The only, the downside is that they're not cheap. So if you and I can borrow at um, 3.6 or 2.6% on a normal mortgage, the reverse mortgage will be around 6%. Okay. And I'm assuming there's a certain amount that you can borrow and then it'll be like, no, that's too much. Correct, the correct. Value. That's right, yeah. Because what they don't want, and, and this is where it's kind of like the actuarial tables, so that is what is the probability of or how long will you be on the planet. So what they don't want is people um, where they end up with negative equity. Mm. Yeah. So in other words, you know, your home's worth $400,000 and you've borrowed $400,000. Yes, and you'd also probably not want to be a surviving relative of someone who has done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, well, so, um, someone's going to pay. Now, the other aspect, just thinking about paying, the interest rate is rolled up. So the interest rate gets added to the loan every year. So you can find that, you know, like compound interest, mm. very much the same. So, you know, so you, know, you borrow $10,000 this year, well, next year, there's five hundred or six hundred dollars of interest gets added to that ten thousand. Yeah. You borrow another ten thousand, and then the interest on that gets added, and so forth. So that's why quite a few, like you know, I've heard stories where people have gone in and after their parent or parents have passed away, expecting that there would be some equity, a lot of equity in the family home, only to find that in fact mum and dad have actually been using the equity in the home for quite a period of time to um, supplement their income or top up their lifestyle. I'm guessing, too, you've got to think about how long you might be around for because if you start at, say, 65, it may not last if you live till your late 90s because it's quite a long period of time. So at some point you're going to have to find another revenue stream or yes. something like that. Yeah, But that's where they're very, very cautious about on, on how much they allow people mm. to borrow you know, with the reverse mortgage. That so it's it's... It's becoming more common for people to use, but it's still a very small wedge of the market of retirees that are utilising that strategy. But it is one of the more innovative 
yeah. strategies that some people can use. I wonder if we'll see the use of it go up a bit with interest rates and stuff going down. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Now, I haven't seen any data to support it, but this is these are early days. But, but yeah, you know. If anyone does want financial advice, we're just coming towards the end of sure. our awesome chat that we've been having. <laughs> Where can they come to have a chat with you? They can come and have a chat to us at 204 Kadamu Road in Hastings. We're in a black basalt stone building with a big tartan logo that you can't miss. And we serve a really nice um, cup of coffee (laughs) when you come in to have a chat. You're also very welcoming, which is nice. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And just to, I guess, make people know, you don't have to have a lot of money to come see you guys, do you? Like you will, whatever range you are or place you are on the financial spectrum, you're happy to have a chat with. Yep. Yep. Look, we um, our doors always open. We like to meet new people and help people out. I mean, that's why that's what I get out of bed for every morning is to help people out with what we do. You know, we help people out that have um, a lot of capital with very, very complex affairs, down to people that are saving for their first home through their KiwiSaver. You know, we've got a really great KiwiSaver team that help people out. And it's just what we do. It's good fun. Yeah. It's good, it's good, yeah. I mean, it's, that's what we're here for. Awesome. Well, it was wonderful to chat to you today. And if you do got, guys do want to get in touch with Nick or any of his team, you can give them a call or the info is on our website as well. Perfect. All right. We'll chat to you next time. Look forward to it. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.